Our Old Testament reading for today is from the book of Deuteronomy, and I will be reading from chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is your God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Find them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Wow, Maria, that was just uh, one of the 613 commandments that the ancient Hebrews received. Just one. Can you imagine what the other 612 would be? And this is the one that Jesus lifted out when uh, the Pharisees came to try to trick him and say, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And the trick was... The right answer in their eyes was every law was the most important because they believed all of them were equal and all of them essential, (laughs) let alone being impossible to follow all of them. But Jesus went back and took what's now called the Shema and he lifted it out. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And then he said, a second one is like it, and that is love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, that first commandment, uh, as stated in Deuteronomy, shares what the faithful uh, child of God sought to do. They sought to have what has often been called the come-and-go theology or the threshold theology, thinking about God and his presence in your life and his blessings as you come and as you go, as you arrive and as you leave. When you go to bed at night... You think about God, and and he's the last thing on your mind when you drift off to sleep. And when you awaken in the morning, God is the first thing on your mind. And you just can't wait to teach your children more about who God is. Because God is the one that created us. God is the one who formed us out of the dust of the earth and he breathed into us the breath of life. And after God made you and God made me, what did God do? He went and sat in his lazy boy chair and run the motor with his feet up and his head back. And he said, it is very good. Now, the rest of the created order, he said, it is good. But when he got done fixing us up, he said, it is very good, which means how good is that? Or it doesn't get any better than this. And ever since, he's had you on his mind. 
Well, there's much we can say. We talk about God. We could be here until 5 o'clock this afternoon or when I lose my voice. But I don't think any of you want to do that. Um, I want to go to lunch here in just about 20 minutes. So we'll just drop in on just a little bit as we build our relationship with God. Now, the gospel text today, and I invite you to stand, stretch your legs as you listen. To these few verses, just three verses, when Jesus talked to his disciples and he gave them a piece of God's mind and heart for you and what God wants to do for you. When he said, come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Now that piece about the yoke, that bears some uh, conversation. How many of you have pets that you put leashes on? You don't just put a rope around their neck, do you? No, well, now Sugar has a, a whole vest that, that uh, Sugar, and, and that's, that it fits Sugar. And uh, it's, uh, this is the service dog that's up here under the pew. We always count Sugar, so there's always one extra when Sugar comes. No, two, because he, she has two sets of paws. <clears throat> but that harness is uniquely adjusted to fit the creature that you love. And in those days, they could do no less. Because when you made a yoke to go around your oxen, that was your livelihood. And if it didn't fit well, it would chafe and blister the beast of burden that you depended upon to make your living. And so you took it to the carpenter with the animal and you had them uh, shave it and, and craft it so that it fit the animal as perfectly as you could. And the better it fit, like a shoe, the better it fit, the more comfortable it was and the easier it was to get the job done and the more likely it was that they would bring home enough money to feed the family. So when Jesus said, don't worry, folks. Yeah, you're tired. You're weary. And as we read in the call to worship, you're tired of religion. Some of us are tired of religion. We just want to love Jesus. He said, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy, which means my yoke fits well, and it is uniquely tailored to fit your life like a comfortable vest. And I will show you the way and lead you through the burdens of life to rest. That's why I love God, because he loves me. 
He's got me on his mind. Now, there's a lot of people that will preach hellfire and damnation that say that God doesn't love everybody. God has judgment for you until you get down on your knees and crawl to him. Okay. But I look at it totally different. That God didn't create you to strike you down with lightning or to condemn you to hell for something you did. God created you to love you unconditionally. Now somebody asked me, well then, Pastor, do you believe everybody's going to go to heaven? I said, that's not my job. I could also say that's above my pay grade. What's my job? My job is to tell about the love of God and to to help people understand that they really do love Jesus as their Lord and Savior. A bunch of folks just don't know it yet. What what is that? Uh, You just be nice. I'll sort them out later. God. Think about that. That'd make a good bumper sticker, wouldn't it? You just be nice. I'll sort them out later. God, let him worry about that. And instead, we focus on the ever-abiding depths of God's love. Now, I have something to say. We can't love our literal and actual neighbors unless we first like, love what we see in the mirror. And we can't love ourselves without a relationship with the Almighty God in which we understand the fullness of God's deep and abiding and unconditional love. It's all, it all works together. It's all a part of one whole. Some people say, well, what does God look like? I'll tell you what God looks like. I'll show you. Let's, let's do this. I'm going to mess with you just a little bit. Is that okay? Uh, I guess that's all pastors do anyway. <clears throat> but I would like for you to picture in your mind. I thought about putting different pictures on the screen, but that would be so narrow. It would just be one picture you'd all look at. I'd like you to use your minds. And I'd like you to picture someone from Africa. Now, there's about 90 people here. We just pictured 90 people. Picture someone from the Philippines. 90 more. Picture someone from Japan. 90 more. How about someone from Colorado standing on top of a a, a mountain in the cool breeze with a cloudless sky? 90 more. Someone from New York, 90 more. Picture a child. Picture a youth with special needs. Now picture a homeless person. Now picture, smell if you want, a smelly person. Picture a very tall person. Picture someone who is really, really 
short. Now, I've mentioned 11 possibilities here. Now, uh, assuming that none of you are reading someone else's mind in the room, each of you is thinking of someone different than each of the rest of you. If there are 90 people in the room and about mm, 30 people watching online, that seems to be a nice number that we tend to get, that would be 90 times 30 equals... I'm not going to do the math because they don't even let me count the money around here. Peter asked Jesus... I said, Jesus, how many times do I need to forgive my brother? It makes me angry. Seven times? Is that enough? Jesus said, no. Seventy times seven. Now, you can do the math if you want, but that's not what Jesus' point was. His point was a number so big you can't count to the end of it. That's how many times you forgive your brother. And so if we take 90 times 30, what we mean is that's so many pictures of faces of people and we can't count to the end of it. If you want to know what God looks like, we just painted that picture today in this little exercise. I contend that if you want to know what God looks like, you need to get acquainted with as many people as possible from as diverse a background as possible, and then you will understand who God is. And if indeed we are created in God's image, then we all look a little bit like God. Want to know what God looks like? Look in a mirror, and then go look in someone else's face. I believe that we are called to see the face of God in every person we meet. And Lord knows I've met some pretty awful people. It has been said, you will never look into the eyes of someone God does not love deeply and unconditionally. I'm going to say that again. Can I say that again? It's not noon yet. You will never look into the eyes of someone God does not love deeply and unconditionally. What that says to me is that God is deeply in love with you and with everyone God has created. And so when we talk about being neighborly, it seems to me that we start with God's deep and abiding and unconditional love for us. And we continue loving what we see in the mirror and realizing that God's forgiveness is so broad so wide that it can cover every living last sin we could commit. And then out of our gratitude, we find a way to look at the others in a spirit of love. Oh, I found this on Facebook, and whatever my wife finds on Facebook, I read in a sermon. 
But this resonated, and so I, I thank you for this, dear. You kind of finished my sermon today. But it was written uh, by a, a person um, from Wichita, and it's entitled Be Decent. As I passed near a trash-strewn homeless encampment just off the bike path on the bank of the Little Arkansas this evening, I was startled to hear someone shout at me. I was riding fast at the time, not caring to linger in this area secluded from view where shopping carts and piles of empty cans and bottles and trash cluttered the edges of the path. And all I heard was a series of loud guttural syllables at my back. As I rode along as quickly as I could to make sense of the startling utterance, rounding the curve and heading down the hill under the 13th Street Bridge, the message I'd assumed might have been hostile suddenly became abundantly clear as quite different than what I suspected. The person shouting at me had obviously said, Be careful. There's mud under the bridge. Sure enough, the recent flooding had left a layer of hazardously slick mud on the path under the bridge. I spent the rest of my sweltering jaunt pondering stereotypes and snap judgments so that when, toward the end of my route, I came upon the simple sign in a beautifully planted traffic island I felt like I had reached the end of a magical treasure hunt that had begun at the homeless camp. The little sign said, just try to be decent. And I realized that I'd heard the voice of God calling out to watch out and be careful. And that's what I heard instead of what I thought. I hope that as you leave today, you will do three things. One, that you will love God just a little bit more completely than when you came in. Two, When you go home and walk in the bathroom and flip on the mirror expecting to see a mess, flip on the light, look in the mirror, what you'll see is a beautiful person. Why don't you say that? I am a beautiful person. I am a beautiful person. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I love myself. I love myself. And you might just want to do that. You might not want to do that at McDonald's after church, but at least do it in the bathroom. So that's the second thing, is like what you see in the mirror. And then the third thing is determine that everyone you meet shows you a little bit more about the face of God.